From the island in the desert, it's life punctuated at Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live on stage and without notes from Boise, Idaho. I'm the slammered that just missed sharing my story. Paula Murphy. On this podcast, special guests Howard Olivier and Mayor Beater. It's the slam from our flagship season opener, Exclamation Point, held on November 28, 2017 at Jump! During the slam, we randomly drew names and the brave few got to use some exclamation points of their own with a hey! Oh, wow! I'm going on stage for a five-minute story, except me. I was the last name. I just got to come up and read this intro, but hey, it's story time. And the story you're not going to hear was about the Flying Trapeze School in Boise, Idaho, called Fly, exclamation point, Boise. Mr. Howard Olivier. I've been excited about the Boise Public Library since 1984. I've loved telling people about it, especially folks who've lived there their whole lives and didn't really know it was an amazing library. And one of my favorite examples was that if you put a book on hold back then, they would mail it to your house for a dollar. One dollar. Once the book was returned to the library, they'd mail it to you. It was just amazing. So I told people about this dozens and dozens of times, one at a time, (laughs) over the first 10 years of living in Boise. And then one day in October of 1994, I was going to the library, and I looked up. And on the building, they'd put this big sign, five-foot-high letters. It says, library. I said, it's a better library than that. (laughs) So I went inside and went upstairs and found Ann Abrams, who was the marketing lady, and said, it's a better library than that sign says. I said, I think it needs an exclamation point. And she right away goes, I think you're right. And I said, well, I know Flying Pie, that was the business that I owned at the time. I said, I know Flying Pie can pay for it if you can get permission to put it up there. And And so she said she'd see what she could do. And within three weeks, she called and said, this gift would be welcome. Please make it happen. So we called our sign company and ordered two five-foot-tall exclamation points. (laughs) And we had them added to the sign, but they covered the whole thing, the whole word library plus the exclamation point. They covered it in wrapping paper and a giant bow for, you know, kind of a theatrical thing. (laughs) And so in January of 95, we had the big unveiling, and all the media was there, all three... Remember when there was three networks? <laughs> they were all there. <laughs> and it was really exciting, and everyone was happy. And we thought, 
we're done. It's happily ever after from here. Until it turned out that a lot of people loved what we had done, but about one out of five people hated <laughs> the exclamation point. It was inappropriate. <laughs> it was unprofessional. It was self-congratulatory. <laughs> it was puffery. <laughs> oh, my. We got comment cards, lots of positive ones, but lots of people who were very unhappy. We got one long, uh, like an essay comment card at Flying Pie from Dave Beter. <laughs> <laughs> whose initial take on the life, what we'd done to the library was far from favorable. <laughs> but he left his name and address, and so I wrote back to him, and that was that for that time. There was a lot of positive feedback also. I mean, families tell the stories that when they drive by, the library, their kids in the back yell, library, when they see the sign. And people write their checks to the library with an exclamation point. <laughs> One lady came and told me, she said she brings all of her out of area guests down to look at it and she points up and says, that is Boise. Wow. So the deal with the exclamation point is that it's about the heart of the library, not the physical building. <laughs> the physical building is a repurposed hardware store warehouse. <laughs> not very interesting. <laughs> but what the exclamation point hints at is the lively possibilities inside the library. And that's been true for 23 years now. One of my favorite stories, Jody Vestal was a librarian for many years, and I worked with her on some roomy night programs. When she first met me, she said, thank you so much for the exclamation point. She says, every time I come to work, it reminds me I'm supposed to be amazing. So I'm just grateful that we have that wonderful of a library to enjoy for so many years. Thank you. Mayor David Beter. I have to both uh, eat crow uh, and uh, and try to explain myself at the same time here tonight. Uh, but I, I tell you, I've spoken in front, I've been the mayor for 14 years. I've spoken in, in front of groups of 1,000 people. I once spoke uh, to a group of about 5,000 people. But I've never been more intimidated than 350 <laughs> storytellers uh, when you got to come up here and tell a story. So, uh, so bear with me. Uh, you know, Howard is absolutely right. Uh, 
some years ago, I, I'm glad he remembers it was 20. I thought that was about right. Uh, incidentally, Howard, my in-laws are the biggest flying pie fans that you could find. And I was trying to woo my wife then, so we went to flying pie, and that helped the cause uh, incredibly. But they had this little flying pie newsletter. Uh, and I learned at that time that Howard was responsible for the exclamation point. And uh, a recent college grad, thank you for that, but uh, I was not that recent a college grad 20 years ago. Uh, but I thought to myself, they had a nice newsletter with all these glowing things, and Howard told us in the newsletter that he was the one who thought up the exclamation point, and, and there was a comment section. Uh, and I don't remember it as an essay, Howard, but uh, <laughs> let's just say a paragraph. Uh, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weigh in right now. Because I thought, what self-respecting library needs punctuation? <laughs> and, and, and that's more or less what I wrote. Uh, if you're a great library, you don't need punctuation. Uh, since then, in my defense, uh, let's talk about some of the other or exclamation using groups. One pretty good one, Earth First. You guys don't even know Earth First. But they had an exclamation point. But then we go to the other end of, of the spectrum and the presidential primary just completed. Who used an exclamation point? Jeb. Jeb Bush. His official logo was Jeb with an exclamation point. So uh, that's as close as I'm going to get for giving myself some space. Uh, so, fast forward to 2003, uh, and I was fortunate enough to be elected, and I thought, I am going to go after that exclamation point. <laughs> and I am going to get rid of that sucker. Uh, and I learned in about an hour and a half of being the mayor that the exclamation point is beloved in the city of Boise. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I, I haven't lasted this long by taking on iconic symbols of the city of Boise. Uh, and so, uh, love it or don't love it, uh, the exclamation point survives. And not only survives, it's become, we're, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the exclamation point after library is trademarked in the city of Boise. This is true. Not only did we put it on our branch libraries, which I'm happy to say we have four of them now. The latest being Bound Crossing Library, which if you haven't seen it, it's, it's just a beautiful library. Uh, but we went so far as to configure the shelves in the shape of an exclamation point in one of our branch libraries, and I won't tell you which one because someday you can go find the exclamation point in the way the shelves are configured. So uh, I am happy to be humbled uh, and not take the exclamation point out and not only that, uh, 
and Howard, I know that you agree with this part of what I'm going to say. Uh, we're going to build a new main library, and we're going to be worthy of an exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> and, and we hope not just with, with what's inside, which is the most important part, uh, but a building that says this is a community that loves learning. This is the community that loves public spaces because a library is the most democratic, small d democratic, because all you have to do is show up and go in. And we need those spaces so desperately. And we need spaces that pull us up uh, and inspire us and inspire especially our young people and have great spaces to get together and to convene and do all the great things that libraries do. So I am happy to eat crow and to pull away from the exclamation point and to love it as much as you all do and almost as much as Howard does. Uh, and let's hope by 2020 we have a new main library that we're all so proud of. So thank you very much, Story Story. Keep doing what you're doing and we'll see you again. Our first story slammer is our story slammer of the year, Bean. All right, so um, exclamation point. So I looked up exclamation point, and originally it was to show admiration. And then now we've kind of moved it into excitement. So I thought, what do I, have, do I admire? And I thought, all the backpacking trips that Danny and I did in Idaho, we've got beautiful mountains and that. Whether it's from the uh, Alice Toxway loot in the Selway Bitterroot in, or in the, in the Sawtooths, there's Steel Mountain by Alturas Lake, the um, Payette National Forest, the uh, Pioneers, the Gosplump Wilderness, the Frank Church Wilderness, the Selway Bitterroots, when the Selway Bitterroots, there's a, mount, there's a lake called Legend Lake. It's a hanging lake, literally a hanging lake. You walk around and you are literally eye level with the lake. You can get on your tiptoes and you're over the lake. You can go down and under the lake. It's like, what's keeping this massive amount of water on the planet and, and there, it's just, it's the most freakly exciting thing. It's really neat. But my favorite place is the White Clouds. The uh, Cirque Sapphire and Cove area and the China Well, what's called the China Well. And uh, it's, it's all white and you can climb this ridge and you can see Cirque Sapphire Cove, snow and uh, uh, there's snow, Cirque Sapphire Cove, snow, and another lake. I can't remember. It's a long time. And th there's, it's, it's kind of white, and the, this China wall. And there's a crack in the wall that's like the shape of Idaho. And I was like, look at that. It's like the shape of Idaho. And did you ever notice the how when Montana goes into Idaho, it looks like George Washington? Does. Now you look at a map and you're never going to be able to see it. You'll like, yeah, George Washington. Or some people say, oh, it might be Richard Nixon. I kind of prefer the George Washington one. And, that, and then another over ridge, and you can walk if, you, if you're brave, and I've done it. I did it once. 
you can go to this ridge and you can get to the top of the China Wall. You gotta go on scree, it's a little tenuous and stuff. You get to the top of there, you look over the 4th of July Creek, this area, all the lakes and the other, it's like standing at the top of the world. It's like, wow. Now getting down is a little, little spooky and that. And then there's this, uh, a little, another over ridge over, another trip is Tin Cup Lake. And it's nestled right up into the China Wall, but it's kind of chocolate brown on that side. And I learned, I just learned, while on a, a, can, a trip with uh, five of my girlfriends in the uh, Redfish Lake on a boat trip, that when you're looking at the granite mountains and the some are kind of white and light colored, and then there's some that are dark colored, the white colored is older than the dark colored. I never knew that. Well, Tin Cup Lake is right up against the China Wall, nestled right up there. And a uh, wonderful trip thing, and another thing that's exclamation point while you're backpacking. Longest I was ever that was 18 days. Pretty fun. We used to take these tents, dig a hole in of them, put a basket, rocks, and we could have saunas. It's a really cool thing. When you're backpacking, you're out there. Best way to take a bath. But also, what's really fun is taking mushrooms in the mountains <laughs> when, you're, when you're there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. September, we were always there September. It was like the little flowers are blooming. The sky is like, where does that blue come from? <laughs> oh my God. And then you're walking and then there's, there's Gregory the goat walking along. And you're like, oh, look at this little goat. You know, he's like, we're 30 feet from him. Thank God we're downwind, he can't see us. You know, he's just walking along. And then, there's Sammy the sheep, you know, he has the, the thing and that, and I had to go to the bathroom. I'm, I'm squatting there and I look up and I'm on this, this rock about 20 feet is this hawk looking down at me and I'm like, hi Harry, I'll be done in a minute. But the best was uh, my friend Dale is, our friend Dale is standing there and he's going, George, George. I said, what are you doing? And he said, in the 1930s, they brought up grayling which are grayling or a trout, they're, they're gray, they're like silver gray, and they've got these silver and, and raspberry and kind of blue sparkles along their sides. And in the 1930s, they hauled up on horseback graylings and planted them into Tin Cup Lake. And so Dale's going, George, George, I'll be damned if this big three pound fish didn't get up and break water and dive down. I'm like, do it again, do it again. Oh my God. It's just, it's just magical. And there's just so definitely deserving an exclamation. Jason. So my name's Jason Hudson and I'm gonna ask everybody to imagine a scenario with me real quick. So you're sitting in this lovely room, listening to these fantastic, inspirational 
moving stories. And we come to the story slam part of the evening. And they pull a name from the bin. And it's your name. Only you didn't put your name in that bin. <laughs> Would the words going through your head end with an exclamation mark? I assure you that they would. <laughs> so with zero time to prepare, or maybe 12 seconds, um, and a theme to stick to, I'm gonna ask for a tiny bit of indulgence, and I'm hopefully gonna be able to bring this around at the end. So 2006, I graduated, um, from grad school at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Uh, anybody here ever lived in Boulder? So, phenomenal place to be a student. Really, really, really great place to go to school. Um, when you graduate from school, if you aren't independently wealthy or have a trust fund, it's a really hard place to stay. <laughs> so, I'm sitting around with a few friends, having a few beers, and kind of lamenting, what on earth am I gonna do after school? And this guy down the bar, apropos of nothing. And I'm telling, this guy, anybody seen The Big Lebowski? Yeah. You guys have seen this movie? So this guy looks like Sam Elliott's cowboy character from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> Sitting down the bar by himself. And he turns and he said, I overheard you talking about how you want to stay out west, but you don't know if this is the right place. You ever been to Idaho? <laughs> and the answer was no. I had never been to Idaho. I knew nothing about Idaho. And I dismissed it as nothing and went back to my friends and that grain of sand just kind of stayed in the back of my head, you know, like, a, like an oyster. And a few weeks later, I get a letter from the apartment complex saying, hey, do you want to re-up your lease? And I said, no, I think I'm going to go to Idaho. <laughs> and so I went down to the leasing office and I said, no, I'm going to Idaho. And they said, why? And I said, I don't know. And so I packed up my truck, and I loaded everything I had in the back of it, and I started driving. And I'm driving across Utah, and I pull out my old flip phone, and I call my parents. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to Idaho. And they said, why? And I said, I don't know. And they said, are you, are you going on a fishing trip? And I said, no. You going on a climbing trip? I said, no. I said, do you have a job? I said, no. <laughs> and so my mom reminded me that I had a cousin that worked for Micron. And so I called him up and I said, I haven't talked to you in a decade, but <laughs> can I crash on your couch for a few days? And he said, sure. 
why are you going to be in town? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and so I crashed with him. And this was, uh, this was June of 2006. And I don't know if anybody remembers that June, but it rained all day, every day, that entire month. I think it was the, uh, the river flooded, well, until this spring, that was the worst that it had been in a long time. And I rolled into town, and it was pouring down rain, and I'm coming, you know, I'm, I'm coming up from Mountain Home to Boise, and, you know, coming into Boise for the first time from that direction, it's not the most scenic way to come into town. <laughs> And I looked at myself in the rearview mirror, and I just said, why? <laughs> and I'd been here a couple of days, and I checked out the city, and I walked around, and I met people. And I was thinking, okay, this place, this place seems like it could be a fit. This town seems like it could be a pretty good place. But I'm not sure. I'm still not quite sure about this place. And I was coming down Broadway, actually. I went up to look at the depot. Or not Broadway, I'm sorry. Down Capitol. I went up to look at the depot because I'd heard that's a really cool thing to check out while you're in Boise, and I was totally doing the tourist thing and just kind of trying to figure out what this place was about. And I came down Capitol, and I crossed the river, and I looked at the library. And I saw that sign. And I said, if this is the way that this city feels about its library, now I know why. And I've been here 11 years. I didn't know her last name, but I know her first name. It's Kat Lizaraga. Hi. <laughs> um, a big exclamation point in my life is my dad. Um, I recently graduated from the College of Idaho with a, thank you, <laughs> with a creative writing degree. Um, and I had had this dream of being a writer and a storyteller for as long as I can remember. And when I tell people <laughs> uh, what I'm majoring in or what I want to do with my life, um, it's not always very happy or like, wow, cool. <laughs> it's always, um, why? Or what are you going to do with that? And. Um, I always remember the first time I told my dad I wanted to be a writer, and he said, wow, with an exclamation point. Um, his dad had a crazy life, and he passed away when I was very young, but I had these great memories of him telling me these made-up stories. And um, he was an orphan, so my last name, Lizarga, is actually from a storybook. He just picked it out. <laughs> he liked it. So I always like to imagine that I was just continuing his story. <laughs> so um, one of my favorite things to do is do stand-up comedy. 
because uh, I think that it's a really interesting way to tell a story. We've got some punchlines in there, and it's kind of formulative, but uh, it's different. <laughs> so when I told people that I wanted to do that with my major, I wanted to explore more creative writing and comedy, uh, I still got that answer, that question, why? And what are you going to do with that? Like I hadn't already answered that question. <laughs> so um, two years ago, right before my senior year in college, I entered a competition here in Boise called Boise's Funniest Person. And um, I made it. <laughs> I auditioned and I got in. And then the first round happened and I made it past that. And then the second round happened and I made it past that. And I, then I finally told my dad what I was doing. <laughs> and almost three times a day, he would call me with uh, jokes that he had written for me. <laughs> uh, and uh, his favorite was all, uh, always, um, you should tell your, your people that uh, my grandpa, his ears have AIDS, hearing AIDS. <laughs> and uh, he, he still tells me that I should tell that online, on, uh, on stage. <laughs> um, uh, when I uh, made it to the final round, my parents came up and surprised me to see me perform on stage. <laughs> and um, one thing about my dad is um, he loves so deeply, but he's not very good with words. So he doesn't tell you outright that he loves you or that he's proud of you. And I made it my goal that I just wanted him, I just wanted to hear it once. <laughs> so when I performed um, for the finals and afterwards, I came up to my parents and my dad grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, I'm proud of you. <laughs> With an exclamation point. <laughs> Crying, completely vulnerable, and it makes all of those times that people ask me why I want to be a writer just disappear. Because <laughs> that's why I do it. I do it to tell that story. <laughs> I do it to tell other people's stories. And I do it to give people that feeling that I had when my dad said, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Recently, my parents came and visited me. And I, I work in a brewery. It's not exactly what I wanted to do when I graduated. <laughs> but I'm happy. I, I write, and I talk to people, and I hear stories, and I, it's, I love it. I'm happy. And my parents saw that recently. And right before I dropped them off at the airport, my dad said, I'm proud of you because of what I've built here. And I love that. <laughs> my dad is my exclamation point. David Sasso. All right, so um, real quick, the last two people were talking about it. And Boise is kind of a magic town. I came here 20 years ago, and it's always, always said it's my, my good luck charm, because so many good things happened to me here. But anyway, my exclamation point story. So I grew up in uh, the promised land of Daytona Beach, Florida, 
And uh, I was a lifeguard there. And uh, I think it was about my senior year. Um, I started lifeguarding when I was 16. And uh, so anyway, all these, it was like in uh, the fall, uh, you get all these storms, a lot, of, a lot of wind, a lot of waves, and stuff starts washing in. And all these things start washing in, and they look like big shotgun shells. They're about, I guess about that long, about that big around. They're metal tubes, and they had like U.S. government stamping on the side and all this. And I'm like, man, that's pretty bitching. So <laughs> I picked one up, and uh, it was one of the lifeguards I worked with, Don Boer, who was, uh, this is in the 70s. And Don Boer was a former paratrooper in Vietnam and all that. And I'm like, that's the guy I got to ask. You know, Don will know what this thing is. And I'm like, hey, Don, what's this? And he goes, oh, far out, man. This is an arc light, you know? Uh, we used to use them to light up in Vietnam. You could see in the jungles and all this shit. And uh, he goes, a lot of times, you know, we'd party, we'd get all high, and we'd launch them, and it was just far out. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that sounds pretty cool. All right, I can dig that. So he goes, well, what you can do is you take a two by four, and you put a nail through it, and then you glue a piece of uh, PVC over it, and then you can launch it. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, yeah, it'll work. So I'm like, okay. So I take this thing home, and I make this thing, and this is uh, probably October, I don't remember, but probably close to that, and uh, wait to New Year's Eve. So I think I was a senior then. It was, so it was me and my best friend, Jack Driscoll, and his girlfriend, Lori, and my girlfriend at the time, I, I don't remember what her name was, but anyway. <laughs> uh, and and we're, we get, you know, we're high school kids, and we discovered uh, 151 rum, which was just like normal rum, only, you know, gets you more messed up even faster. So we're pretty loaded, and uh, we go out on my high school field, which was this big, you know, this huge field, probably five, ten acres, I don't know. So we go out in the middle of this thing, and uh, I got my little... We got my uh, arc light and the board, and I'm ready to launch it. And so, I, whoosh, I throw it down there, nothing happens. And I went, oh man, are you kidding me? Boom, and it goes, whoosh, and it blew it right off of the, the uh, PVC, and that damn thing missed my head. I'm not kidding, <laughs> by like, about that. It flips up in the air, comes down, and it didn't go high enough for the parachute to really uh, deploy, lands on the ground. Whoop! This huge magnesium light. We're like, run away! Run away! England, France, I don't know, just get the hell out of here. And we burned this gigantic spot in the field. Uh, yeah, that was an exciting New Year's. Uh, it didn't get decapitated. That's my exclamation point. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is brought to you by our story party. Amy Moran, Karis Kimball, Hannah Mae Schaefer, Karen Moore, Bob Haycock, Marnie Ellis, and me, Jody Eichelberger. We receive support from the Boise Arts and History Department. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise, our season sponsor, Pettit Group Real Estate, and the exclamation mark show sponsor, Apple Plumbing and Remodeling. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessare. Our theme song was composed by Dan Costello, and our musical guests were No Reaction from Boise Rock School. Support this storied program, get tickets to our live show, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org 
or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Night. 